Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The year's almost over. With Tony stepping aside and Shane Howard stepping up, it's the Middle East that holds the key to 2010. Our sport's going to have a record dividend year to our teams. We've come through that, um, you know, the, the global financial crisis um, very well. You know, we um, really haven't lost a we haven't lost a team. In fact, our team licences are selling for you know re- records amount of money, and we've got people queuing up for them. So as the lights go out on 2009, get set for the final V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Tony Cochran told the V8 Insiders about the visit of the Yasmarina delegation to the Sydney 500. We've got a big delegation here this weekend from Yasmarina, from Abu Dhabi, and uh, they're, you know, getting uh, their head around uh, the whole show, and uh, we're really excited about going there. It is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best uh, motorsport circuit in the world today. It's magnificent, the facilities, the circuit, the racing circuit itself, the whole uh, way they've set it up. Uh, great credit to those people. They, they have really built a cracker of a circuit. And, um, you know, it's one of the many permanent circuits we go to. Tony also foreshadowed to the V8 Insiders that a permanent wildcard is on the cards. Uh, we're going to have a look at it, see if we could create some sort of permanent wildcard thing. Once again, it's going to be a team's decision. There are some teams that are fully in favour of it. And there are other teams saying, no, that's not what they like to see. Merchandise Alley was a great success with the grown-ups, but what everyone enjoyed was the children's area highlighted by the AFL Auskick program. Shane Howard told the V8 Insiders how responsive the AFL was to joining up with V8 Supercars. Yeah, we invite AFL and, and other sports, NRL, um, uh, NRL really didn't choose to do much here, but uh, there were some last-minute changes, and they came in. And of course, the Rabbitohs, um, you know, we've got a great relationship with them. Um, but we we invite other sports to be involved with our sport. Um, you know, un- unlike some other sports that try, you know, try and protect everything they've got, we we, we welcome. Uh, we don't isolate um, any other sport or any other fan base. To be honest, Howard also talked about the critics of the Sydney 500 and how happy he was to silence them with a successful event. There's been, as you say, there's been a lot of critics and people saying, well, why don't you race at Eastern Creek or, you know, that, that sort of thing. There's already a track there. Well, you know, as I've said, that you know, Eastern Creek can't handle an event of this magnitude. You know, the infrastructure required to put on an event of this size can only be handled in a venue such as this that's been designed for it. So, um, you know, this, this takes motorsport to a whole new level um, and you know incorporating the the rock and race style you know format and putting on other forms of entertainment there's no way those smaller venues 
um, like Eastern Creek and some of the permanent circuits, can handle it. Dean Fiore is confident that his young team can build on their solid start in the main game. Look, it's been okay. It's always tough to sort of jump straight into the main series. Um, We didn't even have one year of development series, you know. We formed um, as a result of the defunct Team Kiwi. So we got thrown in the deep end but been helped out in a massive way by PMM. And that's, um, that's got us through this year. And uh, we're going to take another step next year and still have an alliance with PMM and um, also Triple Eight, which will be good. Look forward to going, going ahead in leaps and bounds and forming a strong, strong team. With three brothers looking after the business, Fury is able to concentrate on race weekends just in driving. So there's effectively three of us that roll around and we're the, we've got the same goal. So... Um, I've got another two of me that, that are doing the same thing and me old man's been um, you know, an exceptional support and same with my mum as well. And uh, you know, with the right team and the right family support, um, you can do anything. Last week you heard about NASCAR star Tony Stewart coming down under to race sprint cars. Following two nights of racing, he round out with an eighth and fifth place finishes. Uh, yeah, I got a good car to drive and uh, I got a great teacher with Donnie here. So um, you know, I'm learning a little bit more each night and uh, you know, much com- more comfortable tonight versus the first night we were here. The weather the last couple of days has really uh, made the, the track a little trickier than what I'm used to. I'm not used to them being quite as ledgy as it was and, uh, you know, cars kind of banging the right rear off the cushion and tripping up. But it makes it fun. I mean, it's um, you, you, you definitely have to, to uh, it's like threading a needle. You have to work really hard to get in a rhythm and, and to be consistent and make consistent laps. And I felt like the... The last uh, 15 laps of the 30-lap main and I, we, we got a lot better, and it seemed like our lap times didn't really fall off as much as some of the other cars in front of us, and we were we were making time. So um, you know, I felt like it was, you know, I still got a ways to go to catch, you know, and, and, and be as good as Don is and Gary and, and Matt and these guys. But, um, you know, I, I'm learning a lot, and, you know, for a guy that only runs three or four of these a year, I, I've been pretty pleased the last couple nights. Daniel Gaunt has become the newest member of the main game lineup. A well-placed message on Facebook has seen him grab the seat expected to be filled by Jack Perkins. So, the new year should bring an announcement that Jack will be staying with Kelly Racing in 2010. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, it's some of the segments that we could not bring you throughout the year. It's all killer, no filler with Brett Crusher-Murray, Peter Slugger-Norton, Big Hair Nev and Tony Whitlock. And don't forget, coming up on the white flag lap, Jason Bright talks about his Brightech years. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport and the Gold Coast Bulletins. Brett Crusher-Murray is also with us. And guys, uh, Jamie Winkup took out the championship, but it, it seems that someone upset him and he uh, had a pretty shocking last day. And of all the days you want to just go out there and have fun, you probably want to go out there without having only an hour's sleep the night before, Crusher. 
Yeah, I don't know what the whole deal with that was. Um, you know, he's got to get get through that stuff. I, I can tell you now that uh, I, after his qualifying run, he was at forty one dollars, and I, I actually had uh, had a fair go at him. And uh, you know, he worked his way through. When he came out of his pit stop, he was basically sitting seventh and had a clear track in front of him. And two corners later, he stuck it in the wall. So I wasn't too happy because it cost me about eight and a half thousand. But um, I think that uh, you know, you just need to be able to work work your way. To, through those sort of things, and um, I can tell you one thing: Roland Dane was mightily, mightily uh, annoyed with the fact that they didn't win the team's championship. He was dirty at both his drivers from driving for themselves and not worrying about uh, that team's title because he was keen to go up and collect that trophy and uh, and wave a, a fond farewell to Ford for next year. It ha- it was uh, interesting to see that final day because uh, really, um, with Garth crashing out early. And Davo not having his best day on the track, it was there for Team Vodafone to snatch away. Oh, without doubt. I mean, I mean, I mean, the race was sitting there to be won by Jamie, and you know, like in, in a race like that, you can't, if, you know, you can't get anyone out. You know, the yellow flag is going to come. You know, these uh, safety car periods. You know, if you roll the dice right, you're going to, you know, elevate you up the gear, which is what happens for him. And he, and you know, they're always going to have a quick car. But you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he screwed up and screwed up pretty bad. He should have won that race. Um, you know, did it cost him any publicity? Did it cost him any? Not really, because you know he won the championship. There's going to be the celebration. You actually got to feel sorry for Courtney because when he won the Townsville race, Mark Webber won his first Formula One race. So overnight, all the accolades went to Webber, and at the weekend, Courtney's won again, and and uh, Win Cup celebrated his championship. So he's he's actually been in the shadows on both occasions. Mm. Now, Peter, uh, one man who, uh, after the first load of uh, disasters for Team Vodafone and a few others who was looking great to back up his first podium in his own team uh, with a win, was Jason Bright. But uh, the uh, car controller lets him out too early, and he, along with uh, a couple of drivers over the weekend who had the same problem, found himself back down pit road and uh, then eventually stuck it off the track with uh, trying to push it. It was amazing. Where did Jason Bright find that speed at that time? He, He was circulating roughly one second a lap faster than anyone, and he had it all sewn up. But maybe he was uh, driving the wheels off it, knowing that the uh, pit stop release was a bit dicey, uh, and, and it surely was. Uh, some people have debated about whether it was a pretty tough call, but I think on watching the replay, it was pretty clear it was the wrong time to release that car, and uh, I think the, the decision uh, was appropriate in the circumstances. And as you said, Craig, the, even though he still had a very fast car after serving the, the drive-through, and he was starting to make up places... He was back in the pack and he had to take risks to get past people and the track was narrow. Um, Yeah, very disappointing to to see that much speed and potential uh, end up out of the race. Well, Jamie Wincup gets his second championship, but can he do a third with everything that's got to go on up there in Queensland, Crusher? Oh, yeah, without doubt. The other thing about Jason Bright, too, is that the president had already been set with the Lowndes incident when he he came out and uh, equipped Alex Davison, so I think they given him the drive-through, so they had they could not not give Bright the drive-through. So I think that's where he got caught up in relation to Wing Cup. Can he win three straight? Um, yeah, he definitely can. Um, you know, anyone who underestimates Triple Eight um, in a move from Ford to Holden, I mean, you know, realistically, it means bugger all. I mean, the things are pretty much the same underneath. They'll build their bits. They're already building a heap of bits for Holden blokes and doing a heap of other things. So you know, they're going to be quick straight out of the box and and don't. Uh, don't be surprised if uh, if Wink Cup wins the first round in Abu Dhabi. Um, 
and uh, and sets the scene for you know I think what's going to be a hell of a championship. I think um, you know the professionalism, the whole thing's just gone to another level. That the gala dinner on Monday night was um, was a terrific night, and you know the, the professionalism so by the drivers and some of the speeches they made, and, and just the attitude of everyone there was um, was really impressive and, uh, and nice to be a part of. So uh, I think next year is going to be another watermark year for. Uh, Mm. I have to say, no wonder those uh, Ford teams that changed their colour from uh, blue was uh, it was for good reason because it was Bright who hit Davison in the Irwin Tools car and Lowndes who hit Davison in the Irwin Tools car, both the same trip down the pit lane for uh, Alex Davison. So it must be blue. People can't see blue cars in pit lane or something. Looking at the award winners and uh, Jim Beam Racing took out the best presented team award. Jonathan Webb was the uh, privateer of the year with uh, his Fujitsu Championship. He also, as I said, was the uh, Fujitsu Champion. Interestingly, though, Crusher, it was the James Moffat, who was the Mike Cable Young Gun Award winner. Yeah, I think that was um, that was uh, quite an appropriate award. Um, I don't know if uh, it's sort of like a rookie award, so I don't know what the criteria has actually changed for that, you know, the Young Gun thing. It was always the rookie of the year, so um, I don't know what the criteria for it is now. But James actually spoke very, very well. Um, obviously, the son of, of Alan, who's a, you know, a legend in the sport. Um, I think it's terrific for him to do that. Mike Cable uh, was one of the best, if not the best, uh, motoring slash motorsports journalists that, that Australia's ever produced. He was a, a very dear friend of mine, and and um, and certainly helped me a lot uh, in my my younger days uh, into the business. And um, it's always nice to see. Uh, you know, a good recipient of that award, and I think uh, James certainly was a fitting one. Mm. Certainly the highest rookie in the main game was David Reynolds, who finished just ahead of Tim Slade, who also had a, a pretty reasonable end to the season after a disastrous start. The most improved award went to Car 22 with the whole Holden Racing Team. Now, I don't know if they're giving it to Will Davison or if they're giving it to Car 22, but last year, Garth Tander was in Car 22. So... <laughs> It's it's pretty hard to think that Car Twenty Two was that much better with uh, Will Davison than Garth Tander. Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite an interesting thing. And again, I don't know about criteria, but certainly Will Davison, uh, you know, deserved uh, to be, you know, uh, named as the most improved driver. I guess. I mean, it's almost like getting the coaches' award in some respects, isn't it? You know, you turn up for training every night and, and you get a couple of kicks. So they've got to give you something, so they give you the coaches' award. So you know, the most improved thing, I'm not so sure about. Um, I think there were some standout um, performances through the year. I think that, uh, you know, the Kelly Racing Outback with the Jack Daniels team, they, you know, starting from scratch, you actually look at their results. Their results are actually better than Triple H's first year in a sport, which is, um, you know, quite an interesting statistic. Um, and I think you'll see some uh, some great things from those guys next year. They went through some, you know, some teething problems and they showed a lot of speed towards the end of the year. They ended up with a podium and, and uh, I think... Uh, yeah, you might see uh, one of those guys uh, with that award next year. Mm. Now, Peter, interesting to see John Bow inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I think that's a, a rightful award there. Um, he's definitely a, a big part of the sport's history and uh, achieved so many things. Uh, yeah, I think that's quite timely and quite good. Now, the Manufacturer of the Year went to Ford, but the team's championship, as we said, went to Toll Holden Racing. It's it's interesting, that discrepancy there, but, uh, gee, at the beginning of the year, you wondered if there was any Holdens out there. They were they were struggling, is uh, is the best thing you could say for them. Crush them? 
Um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, they obviously got their kit together towards the end of the deal, and, and to have those two guys in the championship hunt uh, up until really the, the last round, um, I think they did a good job to recover. You can never underestimate HRT. You know, I think uh, next year they're going to be very, very strong, um, and you know they just uh, couldn't get their act together. Mm. Um, next year's going to be very interesting because the you know the whole scale thing is going to be tipped so far in favour of the red side um, in regards to car numbers. It's going to be uh, going to be almost embarrassing for Ford. I mean, they they've seriously got to get their act together. They've dropped the ball over the last few years. I mean, they don't even have a motorsport manager at this point in time. And that's a year after they uh, had their last one promoted. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wondering where that's all going to point. I've got, I've got a bit of inside mail on the fact that there may be a new motorsport manager um, who will come across technically on uh, on both the, the Ford factory teams, and uh, I think uh, the Dick Johnson Racing Outfit's closer to a, a bigger check from Ford too, and uh, get them back into the into the stable, which they should never have uh, been taken from. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. This week on the show, well, as you've noticed, we're catching up with a few of the spots that we couldn't fit in to the regular show as we head into the new year. And uh, joining us is V8X's Neville Wilkinson and also from Race Facts, it's Tony Whitlock. And guys, uh, we've got an extra special guess and go brought to you by V8X Magazine, which is out in just seven days' time. Look for it in all the good news agents and a few of the bad ones as well. Gas and Go, brought to you by V8X. And Neville, I'll start with you. Who is your biggest loser of 2009? Loser? Oh, that's a tough one. I would say uh, Bridey, because of what happened with his team and he had to sell up. I know he didn't want to sell his, one of his licenses, but he had to. So if you're talking overall in the sport, I would say Jason Bright. If you're talking on the track, I'd have to say Stephen Richards. Okay, Tony, what is your biggest loser? I'd say uh, Tasman because of the long history of Lansvale and all that went before it and, and you know, what they tried to do. Um, you know, it's, um, it's very sad to see that disappear and, and the efforts of a lot of people. Um, you know, I mean, clearly uh, they uh, didn't have their best uh, show forward at the times when it needs to be both. Certainly at Bathurst every year they did, but... That's my biggest um, loser, I think, unfortunately, is, is uh, Tasman. All right, then. I, I have to say mine is actually David Reynolds for not being able to get a seat in 2010. Your biggest surprise of 2009, Tony? Well, I suppose his biggest surprise and also biggest improve was Jonathan Webb. He um, historically um, had been somebody who ran in the top three but hadn't won races. And lo and behold, he had a run of six and could have made it seven. And he's clearly demonstrated he is going to the main game on merit. 
um, okay, you know, Dad's money's helping him get there and they're buying a car and DJs and got all the elements he needs. But, you know, the kid has shown a great growth. Um, Matty White uh, put together a team with a, a great car, an XFPR machine, and, and Jonathan Webb used it and used it bloody well. Uh, the greatest improvement, I would say, no, no, or biggest surprise, 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 was probably Will Davison. I knew he was going to improve. I didn't think he improved that much. He, he did very well. He only won the championship. But going on about uh, a few jitsu drivers winning the championship and getting in the main game, the uh, to me the jury is still on a, out on that because I don't I haven't seen one few jitsu uh, winning champ one few jitsu series champion actually kick on and really really cement their future long term in V8 supercars. Mm. And I, I'm putting Dumbrell in that. Most improved of 2009, Nev? Well, I'd have to say Will Davison as well. Okay then, Tony? Um, over the space of a year, um, I suppose um, GRM, um, well, they didn't improve through the year, but certainly uh, as a two-car team, they, uh, they definitely improved. They, they had Walkinshaw engines in both their cars. They finished 10th and the 11th. Uh, again, they were higher up in the championship. They won races. Um, got pole positions, um, so I, I think they're the biggest improvers. My biggest improver was actually Jason Bright, who's been in the wilderness until late in the year when he started getting towards the podium and uh, back to where he really should have been. Best media stunt of 2009, Tony, and uh, I will clarify this as it doesn't have to be good. Oh, OK. Well, I think one of the most shameless things that I find I, I actually cringe at physically when I see racing drivers standing down around in inappropriate places in race suits. Those things are to be worn when you are getting into a car that can catch on fire. And when I see Craig Lowndes in a yellow and black race suit standing at the MCG with Norton 360s, I just sort of think, oh, why is it they can talk to a swimmer in the middle of the street without him wearing a swimsuit? Or a surfer without having a surfboard under his arm? Uh, you know, it is just so cringeworthy. For Christ's sake, why won't media people, PR people, grow up and realise that these people can be race drivers without having to hold a helmet in their hands? <laughs> I think the biggest stunt, and the operative word was media stunt, uh, the biggest stunt was... Um, the Queensland government saying that the A1GP are going to turn up <laughs> like a couple of, until a couple of days before the event, knowing full well that they were never going to turn up. Yeah, that was my uh, biggest stunt of the year as well. Hey, I thought it was pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> what year, Neville, will Ford next win a Manufacturers Championship? Oh, blimey. Oh, I haven't got a crystal ball. They could have won it this year if they had their act together. They can win it any year if they get their act together. Um... You know, so they could possibly win every or any year. Um, they just haven't won. Yeah, well, so they you... kind of, they kind of, they kind of won this year, didn't they? But they were, they were called hogsters. Oh yeah, yeah. Manufacturers Championship, Tony. When do you think Ford will next win it? Well, maybe when they uh, bring in the car of the future with them just plonking panels on on uh, shelves, you know, sort of thing. I don't think it's as far away as you possibly allude to. I mean, OK, it's going to be a two-to-one Commodore to Falcon next year, but, you know, you only need one good car and one good driver, and, and as we all know, you know, you've only got to look at the difference we have in attitudes and, you know, what, what surprises and improvers. There's such diversity. It's so close that all you've got to do is get a Shane Van Gisbergen having a run and he pulls two races in Adelaide and suddenly, you know, he thinks he can do the whole season. I mean, yeah. that's a possibility. 
at any yeah. time. Exactly. I mean, to to add to what you're saying, Tony, a lot of those Holdens are fillers, mate. There's only only a few serious contenders. Let's face it. I mean, do you think Greg Murphy's going to win another championship, let alone win a round? Yeah. Do you think Russell Lingle's going to do that? Sure, they're going to get some podiums, but really... Can you imagine the man management's going to have to go on with with Murph and Ingle in the two cars? It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have journos there 24 hours a day. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I, I tell you what, one thing's for sure: they're not going to be winning any rounds in the V8 Supercar Championship. That's for sure. No. <laughs> All right. Who will bring in the next new manufacturer to have a different badge other than a Ford and a Holden? Everybody would have said that Team Vodafone was going to be doing that, but now. Not for three um, they're years. not because they're out of the game. I don't know, team, maybe Brad Jones. I don't no, know. I'd, but... Yeah, I'd back them to bring in a new team, a new yeah. manufacturer. Well, who's the manufacturer? That's the question. I reckon it's either Hyundai or Mazda. Gee, I remember when I said Hyundai to uh, many people in the pit lane, was it two and a half years ago? And everyone laughed me out of the place. Now everyone puts Hyundai in their top three. Yeah, it's still got to happen, though. I mean, you know, I don't think it's going to be happening at least until 2012. So, you know, it's a fair way away. All right, finally, is the car of the future futuristic or is it just Project Blueprint rebadged? Tony? Um, No, I think it's it's futuristic. I don't think, you know, it'll be out of the world. I, I think Scaife's sort of got the whole thing screwed together enough that they won't be dramatically different from what they are now. Um, you know, the thousand hours to put together a current shell are obviously far too many, and they need to be making them so they're punching them out of a, a cookie cutter far more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a revolution at all, and we 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 we're going to hear this till we go almost sick or blue in the face, and that is, it's a, it's not an evolution, it's, sorry, it's not a revolution, it's an evolution. I think the car of the future is going to have components of Blueprint um, in it, and I think Blueprint has allowed V8 supercars to move on and think about the car of the future. If we're still, we're still before the Blueprint days, it would never have got through, because it's too big a change for the teams in those days. But Blueprint, it's a, it's a gradual step getting to this. It was never, ever going to be a big step, and it never will be a big step. Mm. I just uh, wish Scafie had spoken to Ron Taranak, who said to me when I was talking to him in Sydney that he designed a car for five years' time. He looked and thought about what could be done in five years, and then he made his car now so that in five years' time, whatever the technology was, it can bolt straight on. And I, I think that forward thinking is the uh, is the thing that we really have to look for, and and not just go with an evolution, which uh, seems to be um, a rearview mirror way of looking at it. Well, but I, I don't own a team, and neither do you. All I was thinking about as, as you were talking was, in fact, this change to everyone stays in their own car. I mean, one of the real benefits is the chance that we're going to get a foreign speaking driver back up on the podium at Bathurst. It means that, you know, at long last, for a long, long time, since John Quillen and his accent back in 01 or 02, we haven't had somebody up there. But now that, you know, drivers from Europe in particular and North America will be sought after. Not just the fact that James Moffat and David Russell didn't get a drive this year in the main game at Bathurst, but the fact is that we can then get those overseas drivers in numbers there. And that, what is the benefit of that? It means that that race will be watched and followed far more than it is when there's just a bunch of locals running around amongst themselves with Garth and Will winning at Will.
I uh, love the passion there. Okay, you've just prompted me. A last question here on the Gas and Go for this New Year's Eve edition is who would be your number one pick if you had any driver in the world to jump into a V8 supercar to partner your driver, Neville? Well, you're talking about anybody in Australia or out of Australia? In the world, my friend. Oh, well, you'd probably go... I'd go Cameron McConnell's a pretty good pick because he's a season driver. He's just he's just retired. Okay, Tony. Oh no, shit! I go for Michael Schumacher. Stick him in with Garth. What a combination! Nah, he wouldn't be able to get it together in a V8 supercar. They're too complicated. You got to you got to spend a year in them. <laughs> and, and, and Schumacher's an open wheeler driver, not a tin top driver. He used to race sports cars for Mercedes, and he used to race DTM. He would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see how they're really close to a V8 supercar. Yeah, but he'd jump at the chance. Man, of course, he'd jump at the chance, but he wouldn't have it. He wouldn't be. He'd be there as a. He would be. He'd be there as a, you know an ex F1 star, and like he is a star, but he wouldn't really. He, mate, They'd run all over him at Bathurst. Yeah, they said that about Danny Home as well. Just to give you some inside information, Ron Turanak told me, the same day that you chatted to him, told me, and he knows people inside Formula 1 better than anybody else I know, he told me that the only reason Schumacher didn't drive this year was he knew the car wasn't good enough to go and win. That's why he didn't replace Matha. Not because his neck was crook or anything like that. Oh, well, I haven't changed my position since you didn't ask, and that is still Alan Simonson is my pick for the best co-driver, I reckon, going around. And I'd love to see him on the podium, to be honest with you. Guys, it is a pleasure on this New Year's Eve edition for you guys to back up two weeks in a row. I appreciate your effort. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and look forward to speaking to you both in the new year. Pleasure. Pleasure, Craig. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Well, Jason Bright, it doesn't, sound, it doesn't seem that long ago where I was standing with you at the start of your career with your own team, and uh, now it's sort of come to a temporary hiatus, I guess. Yeah, oh, no, it hasn't. I mean, I've got, you know, Frytech will still exist next year. It just hasn't been announced yet. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm happy with uh, everything that we've got in, in place for next year. And, and um, yeah, just nothing, nothing's actually been announced. The model that you you ran this year, it has seemed to be the uh, blueprint that all these other people are starting to move towards. Um, it's obviously worked. It just took a little bit of time to get it to work properly. Yeah, it took, took far too long and... You know, it was pretty disappointing that it, that it did take so long. Um, you know, for, for lots of different reasons. But, you know, but you know, it's certainly the, the the way that would work works best for me at the moment. Um, you know, and and you know, it's a model that I'll continue to use because I think that we can get a lot of benefit from it if we if we've got the, the the right equipment. We can get the most out of it, like you saw this weekend. How do you sum up this uh, this period of your career? 
Oh, I mean, the last couple of years have been extremely tough. I mean, you know, I, you know, if I uh, had my time again, I'd probably do things a little bit differently. Um, firstly, I wouldn't have gone to FPR. Um, you know, I would have would have stayed with Holden and uh, and done it the way that I was going to do it in the first place. And you know, the I guess the the thing that hurt me the most was the two years that I wasn't at Brightech. Um, you know, things didn't progress the the way that they should, and um, and we really needed to have more in place when I got there so that we'd get the results and um, you know it, it took most of the first year to finally get the results and all of a sudden we're finishing in the in the top 10 but um, you know I it was it was too late you know and basically with, with Ford pulling the funding back then it was uh, you know we didn't have the money to spend to, to continue improving the way that we needed to so that I'd do all that again for sure um, and uh, you know but Back, the problem we had was back then the rules were very different, and you weren't allowed to set up your own team. As, sorry, set up a team like we have now as a customer. Um, so you had to actually go out there and do it yourself. And Tasman and myself have been a, a victim of that. Um, those stupid rules that we had at the time. Um, add to that the, the fact that Brightech wasn't allowed to test for the first two years that I was at FPR. Um, you know, just another stupid rule that was around at the time. But, um, you know, finally someone saw the light and removed all that stuff when it didn't really matter to me. You, uh, speaking to Paul Crookshank a little bit earlier, he said what he realised now was the capitalisation. You'd been around the game for a lot longer than Paul coming in. Is it now the capitalisation of the team in the, in the first few years that was the real problem? <clears throat> yeah, it, it was. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I guess... The way that I was doing it is still very different to Paul. I mean, yeah. Paul, um, you know, ran a customer operation out of his own workshop, um, you know, which which was still far cheaper than what what we had to embark on, a, you know, a year or so before he did. Um, and and that's, you know, that that is certainly a, a very tough situation when you're competing against teams that have either got more money than God, or um, or they've been around long enough that that they don't they're not still paying off equipment. Um, you know, whereas basically, I mean, most of my uh, financing is just finishing now, you know, and, and so all that money, when you haven't got more money than God, um, has to come out of your budget. Shoddy accountant work, I reckon. Where, where can you take Brightec from this? This position now. How, how do you work for it? We'll be we'll be around a long time, and um, yeah, I uh, you know I probably will reduce to uh, one car for, for the next couple of years. But um, yeah, I believe I've got all the right things in place and the right backers behind me now to to get back to two cars in you know in a year or two's time, and and um, and we'll have you know all of the right support and and uh, a good base to work from to uh, to build again. Just changing tax this race, this event, I should say. What has been your thoughts on it? Oh, I think it's been a fantastic event. Um, you know, I, I think it's out sort of performed everyone's expectations as far as the size of the crowd, the amount of exposure we got in into Sydney, as far as uh, you know what what the, what the coverage we got um, from what I saw, and talking to all the fans, they are all having a pretty good time. Um, I just got a problem with the guy that hung out the black flag to me. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a much better event. <laughs> uh, because of all the changes, 
you've got nine weeks to get ready to get to Abu Dhabi. You've probably got eight weeks to get it ready to get to Abu Dhabi. Is that enough time for what you've got in the works? Yeah, it is. It, you know, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with with the way everything's falling into place, and um, you know, the, the the way that it'll happen it will mean that we're well and truly prepared, and probably much better prepared than what I went into this year. And I'll even be in a current model car. Sounds like it's all going to work out. <laughs> Can't be any worse. My thanks to Jason Bright there. As the sun sets on 2009, the chequered flag waves. My thanks to everyone who's been part of the V8 Insiders. Until next time, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.